And welcome, everyone, to another episode of The Kuehl Show. I am your host today, the insider of the insiders, Tyler Kuehl. And sorry, everyone, we had a little bit of a slow start to the show today. Um, a little bit of a lag because, uh, well, we, uh, we were having some issues when we were doing, <laughs> we started everything up. Wife is home for the first time in I don't know how long. And uh, yeah, almost was a disaster uh, for for how we're going to start the show today. But we're live here on 12 Ounce Sports. Yes, a four o'clock show today, guys. I know it's almost like we're like the drive time anchors you always like to see on your favorite radio station. That's what we're doing here on 12 Ounce Sports. Whether you're watching us on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Zingo TV, Channel 761. If you want to use the promo code 12 Ounce Sports, get on there. Actually, it's 12 Ounce. It's one, two, O, and Z. Or Z, if you want to get on Zingo TV for free. My goodness, that should be their slogan. Or at least our slogan. I like our slogan. It's very nice. Uh, but of course, we got to also thank our awesome sponsors for today's show. MyBookie.ag down there in the corner. Check them out. Lots of sports going on right now. Lots of playoffs to bet on. Go on there. Use the promo code 12OunceSports. Win and get paid on MyBookie.ag. And of course, as always, up there in the corner, well, of course, if you're seeing on Instagram Live, you can't see it. But it's Second String Leather Company. Second String Leather. Here, I can show you guys on Instagram. There you go. Secondstringleather.com. Hashtag crafted from the crease. And if you're watching us on 12-Ounce Sports, like, what's going on? Well, I'm doing Instagram Live. See? Look. You guys are on camera, sort of. Or you guys watching camera. Uh, Instagram Live on The Kula Show because you can follow The Kula Show at The Kula Show. Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Maybe doing this a little bit more for the Thursday shows and whatnot. Oh, hello, Casey's watching us. That's cool. Uh, but, of course, we got so much going on today. Not a whole lot. Only an hour-long show. And I have to make it strict, too, because I am wearing my Beer City Baseball, Beer City Bunghammers t-shirt because the wife and I and my parent, my dad and Colleen and my dog and my sister-in-law are going to the Whitecaps game tonight. First baseball game in two years. Ah, oh, it's going to be glorious. We're going to do things a little bit differently today on The Cule Show. Cody Jansen they're on Instagram Live. How you doing there, Janner? Uh, yeah, so we're doing things differently because you know how we've done it where we've focused on the games first, the games that happened last night first. Now, granted, there was only one, but we're going to do it differently today because in about 15 or so minutes, we're going to have Alex Kuehl come on the show, or at least a phone call. He's working tonight, but we got to get his feeling on the Carolina Hurricanes being eliminated by the Tampa Bay Lightning. Of course, we had Matthew Estevez from Raw Charge from SB Nation on Monday. We talked with him a lot about how the Tampa Bay Lightning are. Let's get Alex's reaction on how Tampa, I don't say bottomed out, they lost to a really good Tampa team that's going to possibly be a cup contender. We'll get to that here in just a little bit. We'll also talk later on about the New York Islanders at Nassau Coliseum last night, knocking off the Boston Bruins, finishing them off as well. And we will also discuss the North Division. Getting it done. Did the Montreal Canadiens. We'll talk a little bit about that as well. But we're going to start off with the game tonight for our folks on Instagram Live. We're going to talk about the Colorado Avalanche and the Vegas Golden Knights. Game six at T-Mobile in Paradise, Nevada. Got to remember Paradise, Nevada. Because of the fact that, well, kids, uh, it's not actually in Las Vegas. It's near it. But it's like how like Grand Rapids to East Grand Rapids from here to there. It's like five minutes. That's kind of how it is. Vegas Golden Knights have a shot to get it done tonight. They are have they have the opportunity. They're up 3-2 in the series. It could be all but over if the Colorado Avalanche don't get it done tonight. They don't come back. Because let's be honest, guys. The last three and a half games of this series 
have been dominated by the Vegas Golden Knights. We look at the game that just happened recently. A 2-0 lead for Colorado in Ball Arena in Denver. It's seeming like they have this in the bag. They got it taken care of. They're going to go up 3-2. They may lose in Vegas in Game 6, but they'll go to Game 7 back home. But then the Vegas Golden Knights, that Vegas Golden Knights thing, where they outplay the bejeebus out of their opponents, and they end up winning 3-2 in overtime now with a 3-2 lead. It just seemed like Colorado, like that game switched. Colorado, for once, actually dominated the first half of the hockey game. The first two periods, they were out shooting them 21-14. Things were looking crisp. They were looking clean. They were looking amazing. However, it changed. Something changed in the third period. I don't know what it was. Denver seems like a very nice town. I don't know why in the world the home team would have a problem. It's a mile above sea level. You know, there's always the the altitude factor with the road team. But then again, Vegas has played there. Was it seven times during the regular season? I'm pretty or eight times during the regular season? No, excuse me. They played Colorado eight times, four times at Ball Arena. So they have an idea about what to do and all that. So I don't. I think Vegas just hit that switch in game five. They found it where I'm like, all right, guys, obviously we're good at home, but they have an opportunity to do something. Marc-Andre Fleury had to be sharp. Brandon Saad, by the, Brandon Saad, by the way, remember how that was like a dumb pickup, a move that no one really ever wanted to see? But what does he, they, what does he do? He goes out and scores his seventh goal of the postseason. Huge goal. Massive goal amazing goal. Okay, it was actually just a, I mean, it was nothing fancy, but the fact that he got it, the fact that he's out there putting up the numbers when he has to, when he needs to, that I think in itself is big because the crazy part is you need guys like that to be depth scoring. You can't have guys that are, you know, if, yeah, his contract's not that big, but you need guys like him more often in your lineup more often than not. And now it's the point, but anyway, seventh goal of the postseason, Colorado goes up 2-0. But you need everyone clicking, and Colorado just finds ways now to lose in the second round. Jonas Donsko gets his third, so it's 2-0. But Alex Tuck scores early, just under two minutes in. Jonathan Marcheseau gets his sixth just a little bit later on. I'm sitting here thinking to myself, wow, this is, this is the Vegas Golden Knights team that was similar to 2018. Incredibly resilient, tough to play no matter which barn you're in. And now all of a sudden, the Golden Knights came back. And then just a minute in, Mark Stone, he's not the fastest guy in the world, but how does he go you know, from his own blue line all the way down to score the game winner? That, that's a problem. That's a problem. Yet, that's what happened. Mark Stone gets the game-winning goal, his fifth of the postseason. It's 3-2 Vegas. Vegas has an opportunity to do pretty much what we... I don't want to say what we expected, but like Vegas is a good hockey team. That's one thing I think we got to look at this series is it's not necessarily Colorado collapsing. It's Vegas is playing good, but we all thought Colorado was better. We thought Colorado was going to be good enough to handle this kind of pressure. And it's not like it's Grubauer's fault. It's not like, I mean, yes, you need guys like McKinnon to step up and Landeskog and Rantanen since that game winning goal in game two and overtime has been pretty darn quiet and Kale McCarr is not really being, I mean, yes, he's looking good, but he's not being the absolute game changer that he needs to be. Game six tonight, guys, I don't see how 
Colorado wins in Vegas. Now, yes, Vegas has, you know, they're not perfect at home, but it's so tough to play in that barn. As we've seen over the years, the first few seasons in Vegas at T-Mobile, it's not an easy barn to play in. Yes, Washington won their cup in 2018. They clinched it in game five in Vegas. I get that. I know. However, it's still a, it's loud. It's boisterous. It is Vegas inside an enclosed arena with ever-growing attendance each and every game. That is why I don't think Colorado wins tonight. I think Colorado does what they did last year. So much momentum going into the playoffs. One of the favorites going in. They play in the first round against a very subpar team out of the West Division, or last year it was the Pacific in Arizona. Lambast them. Arizona did get a win, but I digress. Don't give them any lick of hope. And what happens after that, children? They get beat by a team they should beat in round two. Now, I'd say this year it's a little bit tighter of a battle against Vegas than it was versus Dallas last year. But to that point, once again, Colorado, and this time it's not because their goaltenders got hurt because of injuries. It's just because they're getting beat. They are losing to a team that's actually really good. So now if you're Colorado, I mean, Colorado needs to score first. And I know I say that, and they've done that the last couple games, they still lost, but they need to score first and get ahead and stay at it for the entire 60 minutes. Because game five, since game one, when Vegas was tired from playing their game seven, game five was their best game of the series. Because game two, they got manhandled. Game one, they got lucky. Both games in Vegas, nothing. Game five was their best game or at least closest to their complete game, against a fresh Vegas team. If they can at least put that effort in tonight, they get they have a chance. It's going to be tougher, though, doing it on the road, albeit. But if they want to win tonight, they're going to have to play hard. Grubauer is going to have to be good again. Grubauer is going to have to play the game of his career. Even though he played two pretty good games earlier in the series, they got wasted. McKinnon's got to come up big. McKinnon's got to score the big goals. I, I don't see how... If if Colorado loses this series, and because there have been a couple other teams that have lost, and we'll get to them later on here in today's show, of teams that have lost in the playoffs, they're like, okay, they're good, and yes, they could have done better, but look at who they lost to. This is kind of that scenario, but Colorado is a better hockey team than the Vegas Golden Knights guys. They're younger. Yes, Vegas just plays this gun-ho, go-fast type of hockey. That's what their style has been since day one. But Colorado just has that talent up and down their lineup. They're just getting beat. Because the other team, and this is what Vegas has done for so many years now, they just work harder. Last year, Vegas, they got beat by a Dallas Stars team that was full of destiny. 2019, they got beat by a bad call. 2018, they lost to the Stanley Cup champions. When has Vegas gotten outworked though like brutally outworked this team Vegas has it because they work harder but that's where Colorado needs to learn that's why I think Colorado is now the torch has been passed Tampa's either given half bit to Colorado half bit to Toronto but there's somehow some way a thing of a team that is talented enough to do well in the playoffs but is not going to because they haven't lost enough <laughs> 
in a very sad way. That's the best way I can describe the Colorado Avalanche right now. Vegas gets it done tonight at home. Colorado season's over, and we see Montreal versus Vegas. Hmm. Wouldn't that be interesting? I may have to make myself a trip there to Sin City. Get my hab sweater out of there. Tyler, you're a Leafs fan. I know I'm a Leafs fan. Carey Price, though, is my guy. Carey Price through and through. My favorite goaltender when I was a kid growing up. My favorite goaltender now. He may not be the best goaltender in the National Hockey League. Vasilevsky, that's all you. But boy, if he can do it. Mar- oh my gosh, Marc-Andre Fleury versus Carey Price. <gasps> Marc-Andre Fleury back at Saint-Trebelle. Oh my lord, the Quebec kid. <gasps> oh my gosh, this series is going to be so much fun. That's of course saying that Vegas gets it done tonight. So with that, we're going to jump off Instagram Live here. Thank you all for joining us here there. We're going to give Alex a phone call here, and we'll talk about the Carolina Hurricanes getting knocked out by the Tampa Bay Lightning after a short break here on 12 Ounce Sports. Well, also, like I said, we'll also get to the Boston Bruins and New York Islanders and talk about Montreal a little bit more and also some other news around the National Hockey League. We'll be back with more of the Kewl Show right after this. And welcome back to the Kewl Show, everyone. Tyler Kewl here, the inside of the insiders. Back here in the studio, studio which has now since turned on the Women's College World Series on here in the studio. I had it on before the before the show, and then we had a little bit of a hiccup with our connection, so I I turned it off, at least for a moment, because I was like, oh, no, we, we have problems here. Because, you know, if we, if we can't stream on here, that's kind of the more important thing. Because, uh, you know, no offense. Oh, my Lord, she hit it. Oh, man. Oklahoma right now is starting to open things up. This is the third game of the Women's College World Series final, the national championship, do-or-die game. Oklahoma up 5-1 now after a two-run double here in the bottom half of the third inning. Florida State won game one, I think it was, and Oklahoma tied it up yesterday. So big series going on over there in OKC, Oklahoma City. We're standing by for Alex. He is, well, like I said, he's working, so he said 420-ish, so I, we will stand by for him to jump on the show today but let's quickly go let's move on over then to the game that happened last night the series that ended last night the Boston Bruins being eliminated knocked out by the New York Saints I mean the New York Islanders is what I mean to say the Islanders guys I'm more confident in this team this season than I was last year is that weird to say Maybe it's because they're at home at Nassau Coliseum. They have their own bar and they have their own fans going crazy, getting fired up. I mean, 12,000 people strong at Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum. For some reason, I watched watched that game last night and it, it was a good start for both teams. Kyle Palmieri getting the first goal of the hockey, or no, excuse me, Travis Zajac getting the first goal of the hockey game. And as soon as I saw that, first of all, Travis Ajak finally getting a goal. Because remember how he was in the trade that brought Kyle Palmieri over. But then Brad Marchand tied the game at one, and it kind of looked like, okay, this is going to be a close game. Boston's not out of this. That second period, though, boy, they took it to another level. They took it to another level, did the New York Islanders. Kyle Palmieri gets a goal. Then you get two. 
from, excuse me, two from Brock Nelson. By the way, Matt Grizzly, because Paul Mary scored, like I said, in that second period, his seventh of the playoffs, by the way. Nelson scores two goals. Matt Grizzlick got brought down to a entry-level contract in that second period. Boy, Brock Nelson picks his pocket, dances around him, and then has an absolute mishap in front of the net that led to the Palmieri goals. 4-1 after the second period. My wife and I are watching the game with a friend of ours that came over, and she's like, can we change it now? The game's over. And I'm like, hold on. I don't know about that. Because A... 4-1 leads with the Boston Bruins, or when they're down 4-1, doesn't mean it's over. But then I clicked in my head and said, wait a second, they are not the Toronto Maple Leafs. That is not the problem with the New York Islanders. End up winning the game 6-2. It was 4-2. Brad Marchand does get a goal to bring him within one, and he's a little interesting, but the Islanders and Barry Trotz are like, all right, boys, we're going to shut this sucker down. That's what they did, and they played. They did it exactly what they needed to, perfectly to a T, and now they're moving on to the semifinals for the second year in a row. And they are meeting the Tampa Bay Lightning for the second year in a row. It's hard to look at this team simply because of the fact you don't know. I mean, you know what you're going to get, but you don't know how you're going to get it. You know that this team can play defense. You know this team now can score. Kyle Palmieri has seven goals, guys. Seven goals! from a guy that was being looked at as an absolute trade bust because of the fact that he wasn't doing anything. And that just shows you that Lou Lamoureux didn't get him and Sajak for their points in their during the regular season. Now, granted, yes, it would have made things maybe a little bit easier for them to, you know, be a little bit more easy than, you know, when they finished fourth in the, in the division. Yet, they still were able to pull it off. They were able to come out and get the win, Semyon Varlamov has pretty much got the number one starter job now, but don't expect Barry Trotz to give him the loose leash, though. Just remember that. He has an opportunity to really turn turn around and say, hey, you know what? Varlamov's played bad the last two games. Let's go with Sorokin. That's that kind of mentality now with goaltending. You can play one or the other and have no worries about who's in that. Sorokin can easily come in if he needed to. But they're going to go up against a Tampa Bay Lightning team that is... Feeling good and feeling pretty dangerous to watch the way they pretty much manhandled the Carolina Hurricanes. Hurricanes put up a good effort there in Game 5, an elimination game, but Vasilevsky-Daniel looks unbeatable. The offense is a clicking for Tampa Bay, as we pertain to with Matt Estevez on Monday night. So what seems to be the plan now for the New York Islanders? Are they happy with just a conference finals berth? Because now that guarantees at least two more games there at Nassau in their final season at the Coliseum. But I tell you, those fans are going to do everything they can to will that team to play at least three, maybe more. Because remember, Tampa does have home ice advantage. They were the third seed in the Central, New York being the fourth. If it goes now to a case where you're going to see a... It's so hard to look at this series... Because it's probably going to start by the time we do our next show. Because we're not going to do a Monday show this week. We're going to do it on Tuesday next week. The series will probably start up before then. The Islanders have this thing where they're able to just succumb every offense they play against. you got to love Ryan Pollock, Pulak, who got, a, who got a goal last night, the empty netter. Sammy Varlamov should have gotten an assist on that, by the way, because he made the save that set up the goal. I want to see 
what this team can do when they really face, and I don't want to say face a tough team because they faced a really good team in Pittsburgh who had a bad goaltender. They played a really good team in Boston with a goaltender that ended up being hurt, and Tuka Rask may have to have surgery now. We'll get to Boston's page here in a moment. Can they hang with the Islanders, or can they hang with the Lightning? Can the Islanders hold their own against a team that is part near looking like a favorite to win the Cup again? We were a little apprehensive of that going into these playoffs when we heard that Kucherov was coming back. And we're like, okay, is he rusty? No. Okay, this team could do the darn thing again. Can the Islanders combat that? Because don't forget, guys, we're heading to that point now. We kept talking about during the regular season. We mentioned it on Monday. We mentioned it pretty much ever since we heard about the schedule. We do not know how good each division is, how good each team is, until the semifinals. Because the Islanders played Boston well during the regular season. They played Pittsburgh well during the regular season. Played everyone well, at least well enough to get into the playoffs. Tampa, you know, they struggled against Carolina. They struggled against Florida in the regular season. They get the right tools back. Now they're looking like a juggernaut again. Same thing with the West and the North. Well, the North, not so much, because Montreal didn't seem like they had any business being there. And then all of a sudden, they, you know, won. They're on a seven-game win streak now which I'm trying to think of the last time that team was on a seven-game win streak. And I can tell you, kids, it's been a minute. Uh, by the way, quickly going back to the Colorado page, something I forgot to mention. Jared Bednar missed the morning skates today due to a irregularity in his COVID test results. And they're saying he should be back tonight. Haven't heard anything else since this came around the afternoon. But uh, just means business, doesn't – nothing – there's everyone saying there's nothing to it. Devin Tave saying there's nothing to it. It doesn't sound like there's any issues. They're thinking I'll be back tonight. I'll say this though. Uh, let's see. An avalanche spokesperson before I get to that says that Bednar was not at the arena because of the virus testing snafu. It was not clear if Bednar will be able to be behind the bench tonight in the elimination game. Since then, I have not heard anything more. Obviously we still have, Right now, four and a half hours until puck drop, being 4.30 Eastern time. So by the time, you, if you listen to this, the replay on your favorite podcatcher, you'll be like, what the heck? Of course you know what's going on here. But obviously we're waiting to see what happens later on tonight. By the way, uh, Nick Alberga with probably the one of the best tweets of the day is Vladimir Guerrero Jr. more beloved than Jack Eichel in Buffalo right now. Yikes! Yikes, that, st- that story is still going on and strong in Buffalo. Jack Eichel sounding like, and of course, Eddie, Elliot Freeman went on WGR earlier today saying that they want to move on from Jack Eichel. And I don't know if it's Jack Eichel wants to move on from the Buffalo Sabres. Sabres want to move on from him. Regardless, Buffalo and Jack Eichel may not be a thing come fall of 2021. And we're gonna when we get to the offseason, we'll definitely dive into more where he could go. Everyone's saying, oh, Los Angeles. Well, John Hoban put out a piece the other day saying that's probably not gonna happen. New York, because they have a lot of money, is a possibility. Boston, because they may lose a couple of players at some point. But there is a lot of questions and a lot of answers that are wanted for Jack Eichel. Jumping back here to the Islanders page. I, this team is good, but I don't think them losing to Tampa should knock that 
down. It should not say that this team is bad because Tampa is now just looking like, like it could be Colorado, it could be Vegas out of the West. They could beat Montreal, and Tampa would still be a favorite by a long shot. Going to the Bruins side of things here. As we found out, Tuka Rask was actually injured. He was actually hurt. Tuka Rask, we thought he was injured when he got pulled in game four or five. We just thought mainly because of the fact that he could have just been bummed out or not playing well, and they wanted to make an excuse. Nope, he's actually hurt. We saw that last night. But we'll take a quick pause on that, folks, because we are now joined by the former host, now kind of consistent guest here on The Kuehl Show. He is none other than my brother, by blood, Alex Kuehl. Alex, how are we doing? Can you hear me good? I can hear you just fine and dandy, sir. How are you today? Perfect. I am doing just spectacular. Just spectacular, Alex. Well, we were just finishing up with the Islanders-Bruins uh, debacle last night. 6-2 win for the Isles, which would be the team that Carolina, that would have been the division that Carolina would have played out of. What do you think of yes. the, What do you think of the just quickly here before we get to the Canes page here the crusade of the Carolina's captain Alex Kuhl, I should mention. What do you I mean Boston and the Islanders is is Boston done are they going to get Jack Eichel or are the Islanders actually that good? Well, you know, I think it's just a matter of with the Bruins you you're, you have a team that's not getting any younger. Um, there are holes in their game. Um, like, like I just overheard you, uh, when you rang me in that, uh, about the Tuka Rask situation, that's, yep. that's another key thing that you have to take into factor here. Um, as far as the Eichel situation, that's up in the air. I, I don't think that the, the Bruins should base their entire summer on whether or not they get Eichel. So kind of in the, in the way that they shouldn't do too much before they get Michael. Could you imagine if, if if Sweeney was able to fleece Kevin Adams on two two of their highest-paid players? He did it with Taylor Hall, who was probably going to resign there, not for $8 million, obviously, but then try to steal Jack, Jack Eichel for probably a bag of pucks and a donut from the Tims there? Well, you know, I mean, I don't I don't, I don't always think that it's, it's going to be a, a forward issue, is it? I mean, you, you're not incredibly deep. Um, but it, it, it's never a matter of how much skill you always have. And I think that's something that you see with the Islanders because they don't have an extra, like an exorbitant, exorbitant amount of like superstar talent. They just play together well and they play in the system. So if, if Sweeney thinks that Eichel could work in that system and could work possibly with Taylor Hall, um, that that is something that could be a good option for them, but I'm not. I don't. I don't think that it's a good a good thing for them to base their entire summer off that. Just just in the case that they end up not getting them and they they've wasted. I mean, you know, a solid two months. It'll be at that point, um, and whether or not they'll get them, because I I don't think Eichel's going to be going very quickly. Is my thing as well. No, and th- this this story really picked up Alex because Elliot Friedman, good buddy Friedge, was on WGR earlier today saying that the Sabers and Eichel, the parties, they want to move on from here, and so that's where that that's where this has really picked up. Obviously, it's me a little bit more heavy in the off season unless you know Buffalo wants to make sure everyone remembers that they exist and they drop something on like Game One of the Finals or something like that, something dumb like that, but. Right. Let's move on here to the Carolinas, Alex. We talked with Matt Estevez before game five on Monday night, Tuesday night. Carolina put up a good fight. 
Unfortunately, Andre Vasilevsky was there and made sure it wasn't going to be that easy for them. Canes fall 2-0. Goals from Braden Point, his eighth of the playoffs. Ross Colton, former, I believe, played for Vermont. Was it Vermont? I played at, col- played at the college hockey level before coming up to the for the Tampa Bay Lightning. 2 nothing win. I, I don't know. Alex, it's over the last couple of days I've looked at this like, oh, it's a disappointment because Carolina was so good in the regular season. But like I saw Dougie Hamilton's quote today, and I can't I can't agree with it more. <laughs> they lost. You lost to a team that's eighteen million over the cap. Yes. That yes. that and the fact that they are that good. Like Tampa is that good now. They have all their tools back. This is right. This is a good team. By the way, quickly before we let Alex go, uh, Jared Bednar will be coaching tonight. There was issues with this COVID test. I just got it from good buddy Mike Chambers at Mike Chambers on Twitter, saying that he will be on the bench tonight. But Alex, to that point. Tampa Bay, they are on fire. I'm not using the R word with them yet, just for our good folks there at Raw Charge for their good luck. But let's be honest, this Tampa team's good. I don't think Carolina should hang their heads because they lost to that team. I, I honestly, I completely 100% agree with you. Um, As you should. This, 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 this Carolina. Well, it's not always that we do that, teacher. Um, but this, this Carolina team. Let's look at the season overall. Because it's it's always you can look at a team, but it it's they're at their worst when they lose, and it's they're at their worst when they're out of it. It's easy to beat them down. But look at this entire season; they played consistent hockey the entire regular season. They played; they were consistently at the top of their division and consistently winning. I think at one point they had a was it a seven or an eight game winning streak. Yeah, it was something. It was something ridiculous, and it was when it was when Adelkovic was there too. He was the starter, right? So it, it's not like this team's bad at any at any stretch of the imagination. You know, the the coach. We love the coaching of, of Rob Brindamore. I think he him staying there is the best thing that'll happen to, for one for his coaching career and being able to go for the cup as probably as much as he wants at this point with the Hurricanes. Um, but also for, for the players, they, they've done nothing but whatever they've been told to this entire season. They've played well. The The Nashville series was definitely a gut check, I would say, as far as, um, you know, how deep does can this team really go in the playoffs? And, you know, are they really a playoff team or are they only a regular season kind of team? Um, but even, even with all of that in mind, it, it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to say that this team, they should have won that series because we, we all knew, you know, for people that root for Carolina, you were going up against the defending Stanley cup champions. You are going up against a team that should not exist on paper. As far as money goes during the regular should season, not- Alex, the CBA rules, that's how they work. The Leafs have been doing it for I, years. I'm just saying, on paper, this team shouldn't exist. And they they had a lot, I, I would say, a few issues as far as personnel goes. Um, but all, all that put aside, I think, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not against this team. I'm not going to throw my hat down and say, all right, scratch it, back to the drawing board. No, this team just needs to keep building on what they're doing because they're they're getting into the playoffs more. 
they're being able to get past the first round more. They're they're becoming a, a part of the conversation, right? They're they're right. kind of like they're in the, they're in the same boat that the Islanders were in, you know, like last year or two years ago, where you're like, okay, didn't really expect them at first, and then they're sort of like consistently being like, all right, these guys have serious talent. They you know, they're a force to be reckoned with. They're they're not going to turn over easy, whether it's regular season or playoffs. And I honestly think that the, the Hurricanes gave them a good fight. I, I don't think they look like they flopped. I mean, I wasn't able to watch every single game. Um, well, I, I did. They had no this. chance. I'm kidding. No, they, no. But, but the games that I weren't, I weren't, I wasn't able to listen to, uh, or able to watch, I listened to. And the, the thing that there needs to be a takeaway is that, that this, is, this isn't a, like, man, this team sucks. This is a reality check. This is a reality check for all of the Hurricanes roster of, hey, we are good. We have the skill, but can we play smart? Because the, the big factor of that series, I will say it once and I'll say it all through the summer, a huge reason why the series ended up how it did, because honestly, I, I don't think that overall, even point to seven games, I don't think the Lightning would have lost the series unless something drastic happened. Right. I think the, the big reason why the series ended in five instead of going to six or even going to seven was penalties. You cannot, like Tampa, time on the power play, you cannot give them space because another thing, too, is how many times did, was there a penalty either right in, like in and around the blue line or something that happened in the defensive zone? Tampa pushes and pushes and they provide that pressure that they need to and they will corner you in your zone so you have to dump the puck and give, give up possession. They did that so effectively. And Carolina at, at the, at, towards the end, I think it was probably the, the like latter half of game four, they were just giving them so many bad penalties. And it, and it, it wasn't like five or six penalties. But it, I mean, it only takes two or three when you're facing Tampa. Right. And those two or three can lead to a goal or two goals. And when when you're Carolina and you have to score against Andre and Vasilevsky, you need every goal to like go in their net and not be enforced. And with Nadelkovich, um, I saw on Twitter today, there are a lot of people on Twitter and like today and like past couple days, there are people that are, you know, kind of praising him. Um, there are people that are, you know, saying that you know he's not ready. It's, it's not his time to be there. That kind of thing. But guys, this this is a, a good a good transition. It's a good adjustment from having Primer constantly in the mix. Um, I think he feels that that one B role, as people call it nowadays, very well. Um, he can start games. He can start games consistently too. And I, I think I think Brindamore really tried to even everything out as best as he can as far as workload goes. Um, you know, it wasn't the right decision to bring back Mrazek in a couple of games. Maybe. Well, he, Mrazek played well. He did pick up wins. It wasn't like he lost every game he started. He picked up a win. That's why I think they went with him uh, in the game. No, I, I'm talking. I'm talking playoffs. I'm talking. I'm talking about the 
playoffs. No, that's what I'm saying. Mirazik got a win in game three. He got the one win in the series for Carolina. That's what I'm thinking there, Alex. Sorry, go ahead. Continue. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I was like, when, when, you, when people hear this other from Mirazik back to that, it's a good choice. I think it gave enough of a, a jump in the, the Kane's step to do so, but it just it just wasn't enough. If you're playing, it's a David and Goliath kind of situation. Right. This team was playing, they were playing hard, they weren't giving up as much as they, you know, you would think on, like, as a show on paper. Um, they just gave away bad penalties. You just can't do anything against them. And that's, that's honestly a big a thing of why, why does the Tampa and Islanders series seem so interesting? To me, it's two different teams that like to control the pace of the game. They like to control their opponent. They don't They don't like to be very willy-nilly. Right. Which, I mean, is something that the Hurricanes have kind of been known for, where they have structure, um, especially on special teams. Yeah. Which I think that's something that to, to the same point, you know, is that something that Brendan Moore is going to have to switch up over the summer with a team that normally they they play the kind of hockey that is very floaty. They 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 like to find the different chances in you know two on one, you know three on two, that kind of stuff. And it, it's very hard, especially on a power play, where your your best chance of getting a goal is all right, throw Douglas Hamilton. At the freaking point, pass him the puck, slap shot at the net, see if it goes easy. Fire everything. That's not going to be the way you win if you have a team like that. So maybe maybe you see something like that, like with with the early next season, you'll see some changes to like special teams and how they're ran. Yeah. Um, Because I'm not sure if that's a Brendan Moore call or if it's his assistant that runs special teams. But nevertheless, Kings fans don't give up hope. Just need to keep going. Stay the course. Ride the storm. We ain't done. We, we ain't done yet. You, you like Dana Carvey from when he was George H.W. Stay the course. And it's John Lovitz. I don't know how the heck I'm losing this. Stay the course. Desert storm. <laughs> Desert storm. No, um, but before we'll get to the Brendan Moore page here in just a second, Alex, but a couple things. Fourth division title, by the way, for the Carolina Hurricanes that they picked up this year. First since they won the cup back in 06. But, you know, this team was talented. But you talk about Tampa taking getting power plays. Their power play this playoff is 41.4%. In the series, they were 43.8%. You cannot give this team power play time. The only team that had a better power play in the playoffs, no longer there. It's the perfection line of the Boston Bruins. They were at 45.5%. But let's go to that sort of thing, Alex. We were talking about, you do mention the goaltending. By the way, there is not a single goaltender on the Carolina Hurricanes roster this year that is signed on for next year, except for, hold on, who do they got? They got Etu Makaniemi and Piotr. Oh, they got Kachekov. That's right. Uh, a couple goaltenders have their ELCs, but they're down in the minors. They are signed through next season. But other than that, they do not have any NHL goaltenders. And now we'll touch on Brandon Moore here in just a second, Alex. Let's get this question out of the way. Who do you sign? Who do you sign? Who do you protect? Because it sounds like, um, or pardon me, if you're Carolina, because you know they're only going to take one goaltender, Seattle. Do you protect any of them? You know, 
Because it seems I'm like there's more up front that you'd want to protect for Carolina than you would at goaltending. Given the fact that you have three, Peter and Alex, they could both start, Nedeljkovic and Mrazek. Reimer, obviously, it doesn't seem like Seattle would pick up Reimer, so I think he's safe. But that's what I'm saying. You want to probably pick the defensemen and the forwards to keep those guys protected more than you would the goaltending. Uh, to an extent. I mean, tr- I would try to keep your goaltending as much as possible. Um just because I think with with how the market is for goaltenders right now, it's you could lose one, sure, but how well are you going to make that replacement? And are you going to be able to do it in a timely manner, or is that going to be something that comes, you know, right up to, you know, training camp, that kind of thing? Nadelkovic um, is an RFA with arbitration rights too. I should mention that. Yeah. So. Yes, you want to you want to protect players. You're you're going to want to make sure that Aho is taken care of, Sveshnikov taken care of, Nino Niederreiter, Nino Niederreiter. Probably try to protect him as best you can. Um, Dougie Hamilton is a he's a, he's a UFA. He's the UFA. He's a character guy. Um, Only twenty seven, but he's not that old. He's a character guy. Um, the fans love him. The players love him. Players will play for him. Brenda Moore seems to like him a lot. Um, he works well with that system. Power play. So yep. I think, I think he's not going to go anywhere. Um, or they're going to try to make a deal for something like that. But, you know, it's, it's not for me as a fan, I can't say who can you let go? I mean, obviously Cert, there's gonna be certain guys that you could totally just be without. Because they also on, they on also any, haven't. Any... Oh, go ahead, Alex. No, no. What were what you gonna say? I was about to say because I mean we haven't really. I mean that's something we're gonna probably do more in the offseason to try to figure out with how many players they they can hold on to because there are the certain restrictions if if you protect a goaltender if you don't because remember we did that with Vegas now we gotta do it again with Seattle but yeah there's a lot to talk about here. I don't mean to cut you off here, Alex, but we got to get to this point here. A little, little over 10 minutes left in the show. I know it's going to take us all the way up to the end here. Rod Brand, right. Rod, Roderick Brindamore the first. Roderick Henry Brindamore. Um, I don't know if it's actually Henry, but it seems like he's a Henry. It's And, and this is my thing, because I'm going to mention these guys here. Dougie Hamilton's a UFA. Warren Fogel's an RFA. Brock McGinn and Mark Nuker are both UFA. Cedric Paquette. Sveshnikov is an RFA. And then you also look in the back end. I mean... Jake, I, mean, I don't know how big Jake Bean's going to be, but he's an RFA. Dougie Hamilton seems like the big guy on the back end. That's going to be a free agent next year. My, so why I mentioned that, Alex, and it comes to Rod Brendamore, is because we know Thomas J. Dundon, because he seems like a J with a middle name, can be, dare I say the word, thrifty when it comes to certain things like this. We saw with Don Waddell's contract, the general manager. Rod Brendamore... He's still without a contract. We reported on here as three by 1.8 because that's what we thought it was going to be. We found out later that it was not official. That was just the offer that was possibly going to be signed because obviously nothing's official yet. Now that the playoffs are over for them, there may be something maybe coming out here soon. The thing is with Brenda Moore, and obviously he's come out and said he wants his guys to be taken care of first. The crazy part is though, Alex, and you know this because this is how loyal of a guy Brenda Moore is. He wants to stay in Carolina. But if someone else backed the Brinks truck up to his door there in Raleigh or outside Raleigh, wherever he lives, and says, here's this, come coach us, he's going to take his guys with him. That's the crazy part. And I think Tommy Dundon, despite as stoneheaded as he seems at times, Alex, we know this, 
he's got to realize that if his team wants to do well with how they're how they're still progressing, Rod Brandamore needs to be the guy behind the bench. All I'm going to say about this, because I mean, you can speculate all you want, and we we've already been around this bush so many times, uh, just with this story alone. But if Tommy Dundon doesn't get a deal done, I think that Seattle's going to have a good coaching staff. Oh heck yeah, Ron! Ron you tell and, and, you me, know, you tell I'm, me, Ronnie Francis not bringing on Rod Brandamore. I he I. I'm sure that's something that Dundon really has to think about, you know, because you're you're looking at a flat cap for for five six years. I mean, obviously, coaching salary doesn't account for that, but I mean, it can definitely do it. it it's due diligence to try to save money where you can in Dundon's eyes. Ron Francis has that connection to Brendan Moore. I mean, they they play together. Um, they they know each other professionally as well as personally um i'm sure that their families know each other that kind of thing <sighs> if dunnan wants to keep where he's at as far as team success goes he needs to get Brendamore's team taken care of as far as coaching staff and he's he needs to get that deal taken care of because i think I, re- I truly believe that rod Brendamore does not want to go no, or correct. Really yes, you're right. Yeah, you're right. I, he does not want to go, but like you said, if someone if someone offers uh, a two man in the truck or two men in the truck to say, hey, we'll take care of all your coaching staff. Come on, get in the truck. Let's go. Yep. I think he might take that deal. It's it's so painful because you see how much this team has progressed under Rod Brindamore, and yes, he came in in a little bit of inauspicious circumstances when. You know, the previous establishment left and it's but that's how this game works. And that team plays for him. And and with that, I mean, people, that's why I, I say with this Carolina team, when they lose to Tampa Bay, I don't panic about it because they lost to a good team. And I don't think Carolina is there yet. They're yes, they're you can do well in the regular season. But then again, of course, when Tampa was able to add those players there in the playoffs, it really helped out a lot. Yet, if you want to continue to have this team get better now, yes. To that, we've seen with every coach. Every coach runs its course eventually. All of them do. But Brendan Moore's course is still on the uphill, and it's still going well here. Why would you want to break that? And why would you want to break that up? And But it's just knowing the kind of added... Tommy Dunn didn't cut a football league in the middle of the season, Alex. That's, my, like, that's why I'm terrified, because we know this guy's mentality and his attitude towards money and just how he treats his establishments and... And his assets. That's why I'm terrified for the Carolina Hurricanes sake on basis of how the owner looks and wants to pay members of his organization. So well, the, the football thing, that that's a that's a different story. Um his fingerprints are on it. That's I, what I'm saying, Alex. I, I I I can understand that you could make some ties there. You could connect some dots and make a pony if you wanted to. Um, but <sighs> Brendan Moore is such a kind of enigma. He really is because I think he's a kid in a hockey player in a coach's body. Does that make sense? Like he's living his dream. He's around the, the sport he loves. He knows the game. He, he, he understands how to 
to make changes when necessary. And you know, is it? I've had I've heard a lot of question of. Is it not the fact that the Hurricanes are a, a playoff team, or is it the fact that Rod Brindamore can't change his strategy? You know, in two games or less, kind of thing. Which is it? Which is another question. I mean. Is, but the, is it, and the worst part with that, Alex, is that you would not know until you tried a different coach. But then, you don't want it to be the case where all of a sudden you change coaches and the team goes back to missing the playoffs for ten years straight. Yeah, I mean, you're you're, you're a sucker if you do it. You're a sucker if you don't, kind of thing. Yeah, it's you can always the the grass is always greener on the horizon. But one hundred percent. I, I don't think it's a smart move to let him go. I really don't. I think I think another thing too that you have to think about is that these players play for him the, a, a, alongside playing for each other. And that's why they were so good. They were so good in the regular season. They looked so promising. I, I thought to myself, it's like, man, these guys, they, they can go deep. I don't know how deep they'll go, but they can. They didn't end up going deep this year. But I still have that hope in my in my heart, and I think that this team they they have so much potential. Don't cut it off yet. No. Let let it ride. Let yeah. it, let it ride. Let it ride like the the cattle down there. And I'm, I'm trying to think because well, or or, or or as or as people call it nowadays, you know, send, send it to the moon. Stock trading. Everything's send, on the up. Everything's the, on the up. Ride it's the moon. Ride it like GameStop, man. Let it go all the way to the top. It, yeah, this Carolina team is going to be good for a while. It just It's so hard to be like, oh, you need to – a different coach will be – listen, sign him for three years, and if he doesn't get it done by three years, okay. Okay. If coaches have been fired before. They'll be fired again. Great coaches, no matter how good or how bad they've played, they've been fired. It, you got it. But right now, it's, it would just seem the wrong move. It would seem like a very – inconsiderate and kind of back asswards kind of move Alex to get to not get Brandon Moore back. And I know like, listen, Brandon Moore is going to take a pay cut to stay in Carolina. How big of a pay cut is he willing to take though? That's the big question with this. That That is another question too. Yes. And I, I think that's, that's a, a big thing to consider too, is if with Dundon being thrifty as he is, is it worth making not only decent investments in every single coach, but like, do you, just because you're taking care of like your assistant, his assistants, do you take less Brendan Moore? Where, where's the line? And, and that's, I think something that we're going to see here is where, where's the line. Yeah. And if, if they are able to meet on that line or if a certain party's able to go one way or another, that's, that's going to be the, the tale of, this summer for Carolina is can they get Brenda Moore back and can they build off of what they have going for them right now? 100%. Hey, I think oh. that's, that's the storyline. Well, the crazy thing is, like you say, you got to spend money to make money. And if they don't bring back Brenda Moore and they start to suck, uh, the team's not going to make a whole lot of money when they, you know, when fans stop showing up because we always joked, Carolina doesn't have fans. Well, Carolina fans are there. They just only will pay good money to go see the team when they're actually good. Yeah, that's just that's well. Then again, that's for, that's for a lot of teams, except for corporate teams like the Maple Leafs, who are always sold out no matter how bad they were. But regard- well, I mean, I mean, come on, 
Maple Leafs are original six team. They've been out around forever. They have history, even though the reason fans don't show up to watch the Red Wings, Alex. You know that. You've seen that. <laughs> I mean, you've been like even when they were allowing fans back and how bad the Wings are. It doesn't matter if the original six or not. Folks won't show up to watch Detroit. <laughs> yes, they will. Well, they are. They still do. But it's not packed, Alex. It, that's what I'm saying. It's not like it's MSG where there's the tickets are always sold. Tyler, out. no, I don't care what anybody says. No building is truly packed unless one of two things. Either A, there is a deal going on, or B, you're in the playoffs. No yeah. building is truly packed as everyone thinks it is. Hey, it was mostly packed when Kelly and I went back in 2016, but we are out of time today. We've been talking with Alex Hule, the captain of the Crusade of the Carolinas, hoping for next year as, you know, he's, he went with Carolina. Ride the storm. Ride the storm out. Hopefully it doesn't storm too much. It's cloudy right now in, here in West Michigan. Hopefully it doesn't rain too much, or at least not hard, because we're going to the Whitecaps game with Wixie, and we do not need a wet dog, or at least not a soaking wet dog. Alex, thank no, you. I, you oh. No, you, sh- you should be fine. It's starting to get pretty sunny out here, so okay. you should be fine. Perfect. Alex is on the road, so he's our brief meteorologist right now. Uh, yes, I am on the road, stuck in traffic on US 131 South. Oh, that's got to be bad. Get on, uh, get on Wood Radio. Listen to Kevin Richards. He'll tell you everything about it. On the ones. But we have been chatting with Alex. Follow us at The Kula Show, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. As always, Alex, thank you for taking the time again, man. I know you've been busy, but it's good having you on every so often. Yeah, no problem. Happy to be on. Happy to be able to talk about uh, some cane talk. We'll drag him on eventually during the offseason, especially when we talk about Seattle, because we need all hands on deck for that. But for that, oh, I, yeah. I am the insider, the insider, Tyler Kuehl, saying thank you very much for watching this episode of The Kuehl Show. we we'll back on Tuesday, because I'm not going to be here Monday. Tuesday, we'll be talking about more playoff coverage. Semi-final action in the Stanley Cup playoffs. You've been watching The Kuehl Show here on 12 Out Sports. We'll see you next time. Goodbye.